Welcome to another episode of the Property Nomads podcast. And we've got a really interesting episode today. We're going to be covering a, a multitude of subjects, including uh, the recent budget, having a very quick look, uh, a deep dive into that. I just realised I did just contradict myself by saying a quick look and deep dive, but we'll, we'll briefly have a chat about that. And uh, the, my guest today is Kevin Whelan. Kevin is an expert in wealth building in all things property and also fundraising as well. So we're gonna have a very wide ranging conversation and be enough to keep you on your toes. But Kevin, I thank you very much for your time today. Thanks for the invitation, Robert. And what a brilliant landscape you've just posted there. We've got three massive pinnacles, haven't we, where we can wander nomadically between, you know, whether it's wealth building generally, whether it's the couple of things that the budget threw out, whether it's uh, fundraising, or whether it's just different ways people can really build their property journey faster than they thought possible. Uh, these are all the good things I'm sure we'll touch on during the course of the day. So I'm looking forward to sharing and um, hoping we can give some great value today. Absolutely. And we were saying that just off air, weren't we, that this is all about us trying to add as much value as possible. If we're not able to do that in one episode, i.e. we think we could talk for hours, which I'm sure we could, then you know, we might have to do another second episode moving forward as well. And, but Kevin, let's start really at the, at the very top. For, for those that might not know you, uh, would you care to give a bit more of an introduction about yourself and what it is exactly you're doing and how you've got to where you are today? Happy to do that. So, so I'm Kevin Whelan, as you can tell by my face, I'm a wizened wizard, I'm a guide, to help people create financial independence for themselves. So I'm like a Dumbledore to their story where the hero in my community wants to create financial independence for themselves. And the community we serve called Wealth Builders is um, really acknowledgement that 95% of the population, you know, Robert, just don't get financially independent. They get caught in a time for money trap and never have a degree of recurring income that will keep them completely safe, bulletproof from whatever's going on in the budget, uh, independent from whatever government we've got, whether we're in Brexit or not, whether we're in a pandemic or not. So creating multiple streams of recurring income. And I've created books and audios and podcasts and courses that just help people really focus. Uh, because you know when you're building wealth, sometimes it can be a bit of an isolating journey, you know, chatting to people around you they don't get it you know they're still in that uh, trading time for money process and uh, you know we're trying to encourage as many people to get out of that trap and fortunately uh, we normally find it takes about five years to do but five years of focusing on being financially independent and reaching it rather than waiting 30 40 or 50 years of a life of uncertainty i think it's a price worth paying I, I would agree. I, I would absolutely, I'd absolutely agree. It's once if you're in if you're in that rat race, let's just call it a rat race. If you're in that rat race, uh, you just get so used to a way of doing things that that can affect your mentality because you're then not aware that there are other ways to do things. And I think that's the purpose of sort of this as well. Is is you know, there are, there are other ways of doing things, and it doesn't always have to be 100% property. It can be. You know, you know, as you say, books, podcasts, audio books. You know, people making, you know, wealth in many in many different ways. And and would you say would you be, would you say or would you think it's fair to say that a lot of that just comes down to two things: knowledge and mindset. Um, well, I would say knowledge and mindset are two critical parts. But I think, as I mentioned earlier on in my sort of slightly tongue-in-cheek description of myself as a wizard, you know, a wizard needs a plan to help you know, uh, achieve the outcome. So I think there needs to be a plan. So if you combine knowledge, no, there's no point having knowledge if you don't act on it. So it's a step-by-step plan. And I think fortunately from my perspective, um, you know, I created my own wealth, uh, really following the tragedy of a, an early death of my father and realizing Robert, we were genetic peas in a pod and, and thinking, hang on a minute, um, if I go when he went, which was age 45 or actually 46, um, my chances of saving money as a young economist uh, to to provide for family would be a non-starter. So at it, it, sort of the age of 28, 29, I made the decision to not trade time for money with the permission of my, uh, which I needed, 
the you know the would-be Mrs. Whelan, um, still together thirty odd years later. So that's great. And um, you know, one of the things I did was tried as an economist to learn or to focus on what are the ways you can build wealth, what are the assets you can own, and there are seven and only seven of them. So once you know there are seven and only seven, there aren't eight, there are only seven, then you can create a plan to get the knowledge on each of the seven, try and work out what your own mindset is that's right for you, and then create a strategy that is actually served by a combination of your finances, you know, how much money you've got to bring to the table at the outset, what level of knowledge and intellect or interest you you have in a subject matter, what relationships you have and how you bring them to bear, and how much time do you have? Because as you'll know, Rob, uh, property can take a lot longer uh, than many things. You spend a lot of time in property waiting for things to happen, actually. <laughs> but also it costs more money. You know, most people run out of money before they run out of ambition. So you need a plan to uh, to achieve, you know, the amount of money you need, depending on what strategy you're executing. And we know property is multifaceted. There are dozens and dozens of different strategies. So I would agree with you for sure. Mindset, knowledge, but a plan uh, to bring it all together would be the essential ingredient. I, lo- I love the way that's just almost left on, on a knife edge there, Kevin. So it's where, where do we go now? Do we deep dive into you know, the property stuff, which people are, g- are going to be fairly accustomed to, or do we go down the you know those seven pillars of wealth and, and explore that? So I think that's it's a good question. I like the idea of it of making it very, I say, generic in, in the politest possible way. Let's look at the seven pillars. I think. Mm-hmm. You know, we're here to provide as much value as possible. People are going to be quite acclimatized to various facets of property at the moment, but yeah. they might not necessarily understand, you know, the, 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 the true wealth side. I'm going to hold my hands up. I'm not saying I know this or why this is a, it's a learning for me as well. So seven pillars of wealth. You said there's seven, there's not eight, there's not six, there's not nine, there's seven. Seven. What are they? Well, let's think about, and I think it's a good context to do it, Rob. So thanks for taking us in that direction, because, you know, you mentioned in the precursor to this direction change now, um, and I love the fact we're, we are doing a real nomadic exercise, is you said, you know, knowledge and mindset. And sometimes knowledge is best taking a step back and look holistically. So most people want financial independence, and that financial independence can be articulated in a number. Now, in my community, we talk about two main milestones, one financial security, the other financial independence. Security is amount of recurring income flowing in from assets, and we'll go over the seven in a moment, that will allow people to be able to give up trading time for money in a business or time for money in a job if they choose to. What the benefit of that is allows more focus because you have more time. Now, on average, in my community, that's about 4,000 a month. So people will tell us, on average, everybody's different. We're not judging that. If I've got four grand a month coming in, I probably don't need to show up for the day job. Right. Independence is a higher number because security says you get by. bit like a lockdown measure. You're not spending as much on holidays. You're not spending as much blah, blah, blah. You know, so you know the idea. Um, A lockdown lifestyle. Now you've got a full lifestyle for independence. What does that look like? And on average, again, in my community, is about 10 grand a month. So now we know there's a gap because when people start to look at wherever they are on their journey, there's usually a gap between where they are now and where they want to be. And that gap is best fulfilled by an understanding of all ways that assets can flow income. So an asset then is something you own that is not you puts money in your bank account while you're asleep. That money will continue to flow even though you are not there. So you can leave that money to the next generation, important to me, or to good causes and other things. So in other words, the money shows up and you don't have to show up. So how do you do it? Well, traditionally, most people in the UK, US, so the Western world, kind of rely on three assets. So let's deal with them first. So we call them um, the kind of traditional pillars. The reason why I refer to assets as pillars is because anybody who care to check out Wealth Builders is a logo. And the logo is a foundation, a roof, and seven pillars, like a Parthenon. You can imagine a Parthenon, but not one that's falling apart. 
are one that's robust and solid and you know indestructible it's well maintained that's why there's no such thing as passive income by the way it's recurring income not passive because you always need some maintenance okay pillar number one is home capacity what i mean by that is the ability for people to generate income from the very asset that they live in how do you do that well you could rent a room you could raise equity from that to invest in other assets you could you know you could have got clients selling parts of their garden to build houses to create value so whatever's around you everything has capacity now the reason that the word capacity is important is because wealth comes from leverage and leverage means getting something to perform at a higher level than it did before with a different way of thinking so i'm not suggesting people do anything i'm just suggesting they think about it and go well you know what do i think about the space and the property i've got do i want to leverage that or do i not in my case for example i don't so you know i live in a very nice property in surrey uh i could raise a mortgage on it at the drop of a hat but i don't i choose not to i've been mortgage free for over 20 years and i never intend to do that why because i don't need to i don't want to and my wife doesn't want me to so i'm not going to do it but that doesn't mean other people can't and should not use that money to create some value the second one is the most overlooked and undervalued of all is pensions and oh, i can already hear people switching off now robert they're, <laughs> they're switching off and pressing the snooze button going I'll, I'll, I'll fast forward on this bit but i have to say to you the amount of money that's just forgotten ignored disconnected in pensions is trillions and trillions and that money can be used that money can be harnessed to do what you want but of course you've got to learn more about how to so most people delegate their money to the financial services industry or to their employer but it's delegated and almost always it's on the stock market so they can't add any value they can't re uh, create any safety other than diversification <clears throat> excuse me and they end up paying quite a lot of money in fees over their lifetime um that's a soapbox i'm always on um to watch out for because traditionally the cost is about two percent most people getting six or seven so if you're getting six and you're paying two you've got a third of your money going out to somebody else who just set the thing up for you you know so i think there's an issue there and i think there's a way to plug that leak the third pillar is investing which is investing in um outside of the pension isas and uh, cash gold other things now not all of these things are assets because they don't put money in your bank account while you're sleeping like gold doesn't you know it's a hedge bitcoin doesn't it's a hedge you know so those things don't are not assets but most people again invest in the stock market their isa it's in the stock market or it's in cash well cash is an underperformer stock market is an underperformer what does that mean it means if you're relying as most people do in this country on pillars one two and three they have a house they live in which doesn't generate any income they have a pension they're building um not knowing about the charges but they're building it so it doesn't give them an income now and they've got investments that they're accumulating and it doesn't give them any income now most people continue to trade time for money because they have to and that's why we have more pensioners in their 70s still working in waitrose in sainsbury's in wherever they're working because they cannot generate enough income from the delegation into the stock market and then they end up downsizing and that downsize costs them dear because they lose a home that they loved move into a smaller one bank some money but they don't know what to do with the money so they put it in cash and get next to no return that's broken that process of those three is broken and my job in wealth builders is to say well what else could you do and how could you use those assets to help you create more leverage so on the other side of the divide a rubicon so to speak a valley we need to cross over to get there imagine that you got to pick it all up and get that knowledge and, and and move across is number four is property as a portfolio or property as a business so you're creating rental income a flow of rental income so what about cash flow number five is a business but a business that works without you that has a high degree of recurring income not a business you've got to be in and ship it do it manage it you know do all the work in it that's not a business that's a job disguised in a different tax structure i'm talking about recurring income businesses auto ship products auto ship services 
membership business, software as a service, something that creates recurring income and it will continue whether you took a sabbatical or not, you'd come back and the business is stronger than it was when you went away. Most business owners are not in that position. The seventh one, sorry, the sixth one is intellectual property, the creation of uh, podcasts with value, books, training courses, materials, repackaged, repurposed to generate income. Um, and uh, hundreds of our students do that. And then finally, joint ventures and collaborations, which means you can not have to do all the work yourself. You know, I can invest, I'm an investor. And uh, instead of investing in the stock market, I will invest in, say, somebody's project. So, you know, I'm just lending several hundred thousand to a developer that I've worked with before to get a really good return on my money with a high degree of security. They get better off, I get better off, and it's a lot better than putting the money on the stock market. So I'm a banker in some respects. So I've got my old economics roots, but they're still showing strongly, but I'm a banker, not having money in the bank. I use my money as a bank. And one of the primary ways we get leverage is to, to think about the three on the on one side, the house, can you tap into that equity? You can. Your pension, can you tap into that? You can, you can move that pension to a place of more control where you can invest the pension money, not in the stock market, but in property. And I'm sure you'll ask me questions about that. And, and similarly, you don't need to leave your money in the stock market. You can become a bank or you can become a business owner. Do you get the idea? So when you leverage from the traditional pillars to the entrepreneurial pillars, you've got control, you've got leverage, you've got the ability to add value, you become smarter and intellectually, you go on a journey of transformation, both personally and professionally. And what that leads to is wisdom. You make distinctions and differences that get you smarter and smarter and smarter. And then when you get to a ripe old age like I am, I've got a CAT scan brain now that I can look at anybody's finances and zip, 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 and find the leverage that they should be taking or could be taking to accelerate them to become wealthy in a way that if they don't, they won't. That help? I think that's an incredible explanation. I think there's a lot of there's a lot of information there uh, for for a lot of people. And, and again, you know, most people are going to be listening to the show. are going to have some understanding. Well, I think most people are going to have a relative understanding of definitely the first three. And I'd say most people have an understanding of the property side, joint venture side, etc. As well. Going back to Going back to wealth builders, is going off topic a little bit, isn't that nomadic approach, jumping from place to place. When people speak to you and, or, or when you're working with clients and you know showing them, showing them the way, showing them the path as such, do you find that people do have or do face difficulties <clears throat> with the distinction between pillars one to three and then four to seven? Or is it just, or was it just a case of they didn't have the knowledge and now of course that's what you're there for um what, what are common questions that you get from clients uh you know the barriers there yeah the barriers um so that's a good question and the barriers to financial independence first of all is you know the who do you trust where do you start there's so much financial information out there there's like a deluge of information right you could you could be going forever just cramming 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 your your mind full of information. Of course, many people do. They become course junkies and so on, as we know, right? So, um, and I understand that. But the stem of education, which is really at the heart of the very point that you made, first of all, is the difference between cramming information in and making distinctions to get something done. So what happens in wealth builders is we break that down. So we show people, you know, first of all, like identify the target, identify the gap, look at what they've got in their life and how they can make that more effective. Look at their wealth dynamic to understand how best they would be in flow because you don't want to be fighting yourself. You know, you need to get into a flow where you're performing at your highest level. So if you're very creative, you must likely think about business. If you're very focused on, you know, uh, metho methodology, you might be looking at a certain types of property or you might be looking at a business that does those things. So you choose a flow and a pathway and then you look at the flow of other people around you, your spouses, your family members, and you start to craft something that gives you a sense of, right, now I know how much I've got. I know what my leverage is. I know what I'm interested in. And then I can start to create a plan. And because we're holistic, 
you know, we're completely agnostic on what people do. We don't push them down a pathway of a, a course at this or that. It's just a holistic process. Every month, we have a mantra, never let 30 days go by without doing something this month to building your wealth. That could be education. It could be um, being connected to somebody who's done something you want to see, so you bring that to life. So it's about community. And, uh, and when people see that, they get inspired and um, they feel like they're in a trusted environment. Whereas out there, I mean, look, we're talking today about wealth. How many people out there are talking about wealth? They're not thinking about wealth. They're doing a job. You know, they, they, they have a conversation about wealth. Somebody's saying, shut up, I've got a job to do. You know, they, there's just a different place. So I look to find communities of people who are inspired, are sharing, they're willing and the property community, certainly no exception, wonderful sharing goes on in there. Uh, and I think once people can work out the best plan, then they can focus on that, not get distracted by the shiny pennies. And then we call it focusing your way to security, right? So get to security with focus, 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 diversify your way to independence. You start to build other pillars. So you focus on one, best one you can, and then you build other ones to support that. You don't try and go all over the shop just because they're seven. You don't start with seven. You start with you know, usually two. Uh, we encourage two, so you've got a different perspective all the time. Start with one you really like and then build another one on top. And that can often be the pension and the property combination, or it might be the pension and the business combination. Usually the pension's in there because, as I said earlier on, most people are paying so scant attention to their pension, you know, they get a statement, wish it were better, put it back in the drawer. You know, it's a part of their, it's either part of their past or it's part of their dim and distant future when they're 65 or whatever. We just bring it to life now and say, pick that pension up, get hold of it, turn it into a pension you can work with called a SAS or a small self-administered scheme, clunky language, terrible marketing, but there you go. But anybody who speaks wealth needs to speak a different language, don't they? You've got to learn the language. Property has its own language. Pensions have their own language. Businesses have their own language, like EBITDA and all sorts of things. And you have to be prepared to learn a little bit of language to enjoy the community. Like if you were going to France, you know, it's so much better. You ever go to Paris, you don't speak anything in French, you're not going to have the same experience <laughs> if you put a bit of effort in and try and speak French. It's the same with wealth. Yeah, I could certainly relate to not necessarily the, the, the French bit there, but certainly uh, having done a bit of touring around you know, back in a few years ago, uh, South America, Central America, we found that, business partner and I found that speaking a bit of the local language, so predominantly Spanish, but appreciate you know, there is some Quechua and, you know, different languages, you know, different areas. But we did find that, you know, speaking or making an effort at least to speak the local yeah. language okay you, you get a few smirks and you get a bit of that but if you try and you seem to get a completely different response and if you go in with that with that arrogance i'm going to use that word arrogance or ignorance yeah. and if you go and speak english and you know which is i find a very american thing to do um you go and speak english you get a different response but point i'm trying to make is what you've just said there kevin is is absolutely right it's if you're gonna if you want to make yourself better, you can't just sit around on your backside and not do anything about it and, and hope and wish that all of that comes to you. It doesn't work like that. You've got to go out and you know, can you find a better network? Can you go and buy a book on inheritance tax? You know, I've got a few, plenty of books on various different forms of taxes. I'm certainly not an expert. I'm not, an, I'm not an IFA. I'm not here to, you know, I'm, I'm none of that. But for me, and I'm sure this is the same for many people as well, it's I'm quite cynical about macroeconomics as well, you know, about why, why does that happen? How does that happen? How are they doing? I'm very cynical about that. But you can educate yourself all the time. And by reading and you know, learning to enjoy that really helps. I don't think that's any different from, you know, pensions, property, gold, silver, anything like that. You know, if you're going to learn it, focus on it, get good at it and understand why that happens. And then, then naturally you're going to join the higher echelons of, similar people that are talking about that stuff and you'll get better. Um, that's me waffling on, but that's my theory anyway. No, I get that, you know, and look, I'll, I'll just speak to your point about macro. Um, as an economist, you know, I dealt with both macro and micro. The macro position, I call it the wind that blows on us all. Right? Everything comes at us 
Um, and I hear people saying, oh, I'll get into property when we're out of lockdown. I'll get in, I think there's going to be a market correction on this or that. So I'll wait until then. Uh, so they let the wind blow them off course. And uh, what happens in my language anyway, is we call them the drifters, right? The drifters just always got an excuse, always looking for a reason not to do something instead of choosing one thing to do. And anybody could do one thing. You don't have to do five things. You don't have to learn about inheritance tax so that doesn't appeal to you or you know any angle. You just choose one and, and focus on an asset. Okay, so you focus on an asset. You think about inheritance tax later uh, when you built your wealth, not before you build it, right? So it's just an order and sequence. So, um, so the micro position is your set of the sale. So how you adjust yourself to do the best that you can and make the fastest progress, no matter what. And there are always opportunities out there, always. And there always have been, and there always will be. And it's about having the willingness to get stuck in, learn some education for sure. Find a place of trust and support, find a connection through a community or through people who are willing to share with you without fear of being pushed in a direction or other. And then you can see it brought to life. When it comes to life, you get a better chance to say, well, now I see that guy's doing HMOs and what he's doing or service accommodation or whatever it would be. I now see that, hmm, I don't think I'd like to do that. And you've got, you've got, you've got a reason then to then, okay, I'll put that one down and I'll look at a different strategy within property. Oh, wow, I didn't know you could do that. That's fascinating. I'm going to do that. So by having a community, and our community is growing by the week, um, you know, so, and, and there's certainly the, the SaaS community is growing by 50 a week at the moment. So, you know, people learning to stick two fingers up at the pensions industry and say, enough's enough, I'm taking control. And they grab those pensions with both hands and they use that to help them on their property journey, their business journey, their IP journey, or their joint venture journey. And that's really an important one because that's something that most people will put off as I say earlier on, we'll press snooze over and go, oh, well, you know, pensions are not, they're too boring to think about. But in fact, if you really thought about it, it's just a bank account and just money in a bank. And, and my, my guess is, right, this might segue us back to the budget if you want. If Rishi Sunak um, had said in the budget, you know what, we've got too many things to think about with all this lockdown. We're just going to abandon the word pension. It's just money. It's just a bank account. You can do with that money what you want. How many people, if that was cash in a bank account and it all got liquidated and put into that bank account, would take the money and put it straight back to where it just came from? Would they give it to that financial advisor? Would they give it to the institutions? Would they put it on the stock market? Would they pay those fees? They would not do that, but they do it almost blindfold, sleepwalking their way through the hazy advice which is hold up for the long term you know it will all work out in the long term i got some news for you the long term is more volatile than now and if you don't get certainty in your life so the challenge if you're investing in the stock market which is as i said more volatile than ever it has been before its destination is a life of uncertainty it's a life of compromise it means you will not be on your own terms and certainly you'll never be financially independent if you're hoping that something's working. You've got to be in control of things for yourself. That way, that control allows you to be more predictable. So it's not more risky to be in control. It's less risky if you're in control because you're the one who's adding value. You're the one who's creating the value as opposed to hoping the value will come from somebody else with a shiny, uh, shiny suit and a shiny brochure. It's just not the case anymore. I think you know, we'll, we'll touch on the budget in a second. That brings my cyn sort of cynicism back into it. Because I imagine that on, on the grand scheme of things, and you know, you can believe whatever conspiracy theory you want to believe, et cetera, et cetera. But the likes of, and with all due respect, you know, many people that I'm sure that we speak to in our day-to-day -day lives, the odds of these people ever getting up to, I don't know, JP Morgan levels or anything like that, a minimal. Not impossible, but but minimal. And it's when you get involved with the really, really big boys. It's like you're talking to, 
Um, you know, a lot of stuff in, you know, 2008, 2009, you know, recessions make loads of, you know, more millionaires, et cetera, et cetera. But they're always going to be playing their own game. And if you don't have an understanding of how that game works in, in your everyday life, you're probably, nine times out of 10, I guess, you're going to be left behind. So I think what I would say to just to back you up as well is, is taking the action, as you say, you know, take that control. Don't rely on other people to do it for you. It doesn't matter if it's your next door neighbor, Westminster, whoever, you've got to have that control because that control is incredibly important because then you're going to be less likely to be left behind because, um, you know, history doesn't repeat itself. It rhymes for a reason. And you can see all this stuff has happened before and it will happen again because that's how that works. That's my take on it. And is that something, is that sentiment something you would agree with or is there something there you'd push back on? Well, I think it's a macro statement. So, you know, I think everybody can respond in different ways. So I don't need to agree or disagree. I think you're right to make the point. I think the point here that I would make though, is, you know, whenever, you have to be aware of the macro position. So, for example, you have to be aware that the government used to borrow 50 billion a year. Now they borrow 350 billion a year. So if they borrowed 350 billion a year and they previously borrowed seven times less, they've got to get that money back. Who are they going to get that money back? You. You know, you've got to be a contributor to that. So you need to be tax savvy. So the tax savviness then says, well, in order to be tax savvy, you've got to be in a business mindset because business is the most tax efficient way to at least have control over taxes. If you're employed, you know, you, you work, you pay your tax, you spend what's left. And um, what's going to be interesting next year is the Adam Smith Institute. So a good old, old fashioned economist has a, um, an organization that does a calculation every year, Robert, which is Tax Freedom Day. The day which, you know, you're, you stop working uh, for the government, you start working for yourself, right? Now that day usually is around the 1st of June. Uh, that's going to be pushed back when all the new taxes come in. So you've got to be savvy about your tax. You can't switch off and go, well, tax is tax. I've just got to pay it. You know, you've got an opportunity to use tax relief. You've got the, the opportunity to be tax free. You've got the opportunity to create uh, genuine tax havens, uh, which is what a SAS pension does. It allows you to to get leverage on the tax man so that you can still pay taxes, of course. I'm not saying be anarchistic here. You've still got to pay for the world, but you can be more savvy. And if you're more savvy, you pay less inheritance tax for the next generation, which comes back to your point about IHT. But the essence of all of this is every different pillar has got an overlay of tax, and some are better and more tax efficient depending on your circumstances than others, and you've got to learn a bit more about that. So don't delegate it, learn it. You have to learn everything. You just have to learn one strategy at a time. So what's the difference between, you know, the tax on owning property in a company, owning um, owning property personally? There's a difference. You've just got to learn what that difference is so you can make a decision. What's the difference between um, having a business where you decide you want to draw money as a salary and dividends um, as opposed to doing it as an employee? So. These are things that are very easy to learn. You just have to take your time to learn them. Where, a, where there is a will, there is a way. That's what I like to say. Moving swiftly onto this budget then, uh, I think many people, it's fair to say, were probably fearing the worst. Um, as we were just saying off air, Kevin, actually, budget-wise, it wasn't as bad as I think a lot of people thought it, it could be. Um, what were your takes on the Chancellor's budget? Yeah, from a wealth perspective, I think it was relatively benign. We did expect, I was expecting to see some big changes, uh, but I think all they've done is kicked them into the long grass a little. I think they've extended the, you know, the stamp duty issue, so that should still help property owners. They haven't taxed landlords more. We thought they might. Um, you know, they've even talked, interestingly enough, I've never seen this, well, I haven't seen this for over 20 years now, there's even a little uh, word in the back end of the budget. There's always papers that come out after the headlines are announced saying they might allow pensions, might, to invest in illiquid assets. Subplot, they might allow pensions to buy property. 
Now that would be a game changer. Now we already do it with our SaaS community, 5,000 strong people using their pensions, they control and they invest in property, right? So anybody who's got a pension should definitely find out about that. Just go to SaaS Alliance as a Facebook group and join for free. Everything's free there. We just believe in trying to raise the bar, raise the tide of understanding for people who are fed up and frustrated with the tradition, the pensions, which are so bad value for money. Um, so I think if they do that, it's going to be a game changer. It's going to mean that the shortage of housing um, will be available for people to potentially invest their pensions in. So that's going to be great news. Uh, but generally speaking, you know, it's all a bit stealthy, you know, um, holding back on certain things like, you know, income tax allowances and um, allowances on uh, what we, what's going on there with the lifetime allowance on pensions, um, you know, the freezing them, which means obviously as inflation is income up, there's going to be more tax to be paid. But the big tax burden will come, you know, later on, you know, when we're out of lockdown, we're fully clear of it. We, you know, we're always going to have it to a certain degree. We know that. But like flu, we're going to live with it. Um, but once that's done and the clear pathway is out, so we know it's currently June 21st, you know, certainly by the next budget, they'd be very clear. And that's when, you know, we'll expect to see some quite dramatic changes. Certainly it'll happen in corporation tax. It'll happen in IHT. It'll happen in capital gains. So you've got to learn to see these things and become tax savvy. And that's where getting good education on this uh, in each different asset you're interested in, you have to know it. I mean, imagine if you were a landlord and you didn't know about the changes they made a few years ago, you know, where you weren't going to get tax relief on your mortgage and you were blissfully unaware of it, you're going to be making less and less and less and less and less and less and less. Well, if you just know that, you know the change, you can start to take some guidance and advice. And that's another thing. When you're building wealth, there's always a reason to think about getting expertise when expertise can add value. Not to take value, but to add value. And anybody who's professionally involved in the wealth space is willing to back their knowledge and their guidance that you will earn more money by, by engaging them than it will cost you. And certainly that's what we do, we guarantee it. Um, but you know, so many people, certainly course sellers, they don't. They say, buy this course. Oh, by the way, you just need another one. Oh, by the way, you just need another one. And you don't necessarily get an outcome that's related to your value. So they're measuring their value based on what they can earn, not necessarily uh, what your outcome is. So just be cautious. Um, I think there's so many different strategies in property. And I see that's where most of the course selling is aimed. Yeah, there's a lot of, there is a, certainly a lot of cash to be made in property education, those forms of, you know, those forms of education. And I think with anything, that will come down to due diligence, uh, in all fairness. I know that when we work with clients, we do it on a one-on-one -on -one basis. We don't promote a lot of the training that we do. So we, it's not something that Aaron and myself do. But when we do do it, it's focused one-on-one, well, -on -one, specific goal in mind you know if you haven't already got a buy to let property our aim is to help you get that first one and if you're in the buy to let sphere yeah if yeah if you're in the buy to let sphere once you've got one uh, chances are buy to let is relatively i say relatively with the old bunny is relatively straightforward you rinse and repeat and do it again that's that is effectively buy to let mm -hmm. okay yeah there's rules and regulations that are changing you know electrical safety certificate bits and pieces like that so that's you know things like that are changing but then there's a clear outcome yeah, a lot, a lot. You can make a lot of cash in in property training without a shadow of a doubt. And as you say, it comes down to you know what are you after? Where do you envisage going? Are you getting um, shiny penny syndrome? You know, or you can earn like five thousand pound a month doing this, and then, then find, next thing you know, you course to course to course. Thirty grand later, you know, you've got a lot of education, but you know, same thirty grand, you could have got two or three buy to lets or a small block of flats or something like that. So. Fun times, fun times. Yeah, yeah. you've got to put the money um, that you invest to work and measure it as soon as you spend the money and you've got your education. And I'm all for education. It's the cornerstone of all wealth building is education. But once you've got it, put it to work, focus on it, get the outcome, and then you can step up. And often the way I've found, actually, for people to step up is instead of, here's a thought, right? 
So we just talked about education as a cost of education. We kind of know that in society. But what if I could tell you you could be paid to get education? You know, somebody will pay you to give you an education. How about that? Well, how you do that is definitely something that uh, we encourage in our community called Lend and Learn. So give you an example. So let's take that, that pension example again. So somebody's got a pension. It's not working. You know, they feel it now. They know they're out of control. They've woken up to it. They've taken some action. They've got control of it. They created their SAS. Great. They've now got a bank account with that money in. They want to learn, let's say, something, you know, probably outside the reach of most people's education at the beginning of their proper journey. Let's say they want to do small developments. They want to buy a pub. They want to convert it to apartments. They want to learn how to do that. They don't know how to do that. They could go and spend five grand on a course to learn how to do that. Or they could make a loan to somebody who does that and they're outstanding at it. They're great at it. And they've got a proven track record to do it. So let's say they lend 75 grand out of their pot to them, get a good rate of return. So they paid maybe eight, nine, 10% on their money. But as a quid pro quo for the loan, they get access to all the information, all the key people that this person has got in their little black book, all of the lessons they've learned that they've taken years to learn, all distilled down in a way that says, hang on a minute, let me just work out what just happened here. So I'm getting a return on my money bigger than I was getting before. I've got security of property, which I didn't have any security before. I'm getting lessons in education that I had none. I wasn't smarter when I got my pension statement. The next time I'm still not any smarter and the more years that go on, you actually get less smart because you stop reading them. Um, so I've learned the lesson. I've got contacts and connections and potentially I could work with them moving forward. So you've opened up so many possibilities and did any money get paid for the training? No, they paid you for the access to the money. It's leverage. So it's about leveraging and understanding that nobody gets wealthy without leverage and you can leverage everything. And I mentioned them before, financial leverage, uh, intellectual leverage, relationship leverage, uh, and time leverage. Um, and then when you get really good, you build your own formula and your own systems leverage by writing books, creating materials that you know have a real value in the world that people will be pre prepared to buy that you can create recurring income from as well. And so so many of our students have written books and some of them now are accomplished speakers and accomplished teachers, not because they <clears throat> always want to make a fortune from it, but they often will feel, and I like that, they want to give back. They, they don't want people to spend a fortune just on getting the education that stays on the shelf. They want to get that education that sees people taking action month by month by month. Never let 30 days go by, says I, without doing something to build your wealth. And that's what we stick to. And that way people make progress every single month. I talk to people now out there, Robert, they've been thinking about property for, for years. They've, they've had so much education, they don't know where to start, it freezes them. So this is the recurring theme we're talking about today, but it's getting enough education to be able to take some action, not too much, that freezes you. Yeah, self-education self versus shelf education, um, which is difficult for me to Brilliant. say, but I think I nailed that. Um, okay there and yeah the, the taking action is important as well I, mean, I know that we were recently speaking to an investor about collaborating on on something and um, they kept pushing pushing it back or this has popped up that's popped up this has popped up and then something quite serious popped up in you know in the last month or so you know, obviously not not a nice thing to hear I'm obviously not going to say what it was not a nice thing to hear and he, he turned around and said God if I'd have done this three or four months ago I could be earning already I said like, well you know that opportunity was there, and it, you know, of course, it would leave the door open. The opportunity is still there. But it's you know, even by his own admission, mm -hmm. he said, "Well, if I'd have just done it, I, I could have done it." And yeah, you want to. Um, there's nothing wrong with maybe people are scared of failing or things like. There's nothing wrong with failing. There's nothing wrong with making mistakes. You know, learn from your own mistakes. Learn from the mistakes of others as well. But I'm loving the ideology you've got there, and um, it reminds me of. Uh, I think it's called the Guanxi methodology. It's not what you know, it's who you know. Uh, Chinese, uh, Cantonese, Mandarin, yeah. however. Uh, okay. Very important. Yeah, well, there's a great, there's a great book uh, that um, you know we recommend to our students called Who Not How. And the philosophy is very much a reflection of what you just said there. 
And essentially it says this, you know, in terms of how we approach that, is at the end of a problem where you're asking the question, how do I, dot, 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 and, you know, maybe anybody listening, have you ever been in a situation, how do I, how do I, how do I get, whenever you ask the question how, and then you go too far in your mind, go, well, I, I don't know how, so you stop, you freeze, is, is who is the person who'd be willing to help you do that? And uh, essentially, that's the role that I play within wealth builders. I'm uh, extraordinarily creative and extraordinarily connected. Um, so the creativity is the zip, 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 my CAT scan. Um, but I build networks of really great people. I look for outstanding people in their field. And then if anybody says to me, I've got a how problem, I say, what's the answer? They say, it's who. And I say, who's got the who? And they say, you've got the who, Kevin. Who's the who? So we try and it sounds like we're doing Dr. Zeus, doesn't it? Um, you know, we're trying to find the right who to help people overcome their problem. And when you do that with skill, when you do that with integrity, when you do that without veiling this in some self-serving way to get paid, that's why it's about community. Then people will be able to make progress in a more enjoyable way. So wealth doesn't become a pain in the rear. It becomes a journey that you transform yourself, but you enjoy it. And only community does that because when you're on your own, you know, you just can never make it on your own because you're always going to bump into the how problem. You're going to self-doubt. You're going to get knocked off course. You're not going to have anybody around you. You'll start to fear who to trust. You'll start looking behind you. You know, all sorts of things happen. So find a place where you can get trusted people, I would say. And there are many, many places where those communities exist. I'm not just promoting... Wealth Builders is a community. There are many. Go seek out communities. And community is the secret to creating wealth with pleasure rather than just making money. I was reminded of a story, actually. I was told this by uh, one of the guys I collaborate with in SAS. And he said he was, it wasn't my story, it was his. He said he was told of someone who died and left to his family a property portfolio worth 100 million pounds. Now, you'd think that would be a pleasure, but it wasn't because the family got it. They never knew about it. And just think of the joy and the opportunity to share and involve the family in that. But the dad didn't do that. He built it, but didn't share it. Now they've got this. They, they, they're kind of almost seeing it as a curse, not a blessing. And they just wish that they'd been part of the journey. And that's what the way we approach it now is we bring the kids in to, to even get our clients to think about calling their wealth plan a name, like a business. Mine's called Wealth Builders Together, and it's five clasping hands of me and my three kids, uh, my wife. And, and the whole idea is to create something like, like a family charter that will continue for 150 years and, and, and even beyond that. And 150 years, they'll be toasting the old bugger, that's me, saying, I'm glad Kevin started <laughs> it. But, but all the have been crafted into a story and a book and recordings that show why this has happened. And the kids are involved at the beginning. And some of our younger students have got their kids drawing the family logo and, and turning up in properties and, and making observations, just seeing what's going on and absorbing that. It's really important because they don't teach this at schools. Another soapbox we could get on if we wanted to, Robert. There's no financial literacy genuinely taught oh. in school uh, and the current schooling system is is not equipping the next generation of wealth building people. It's creating people who are going to invest in pillars one, two, three, and remain getting deeper and deeper in debt um, from their student debt and harder and harder and harder to break three of the time for money trap. Crumbs, we've covered a lot of ground. Yeah, I was just going to say, uh, that sounds like a almost a perfect place to, to leave that. And I appreciate, as we said at the start, we could have taken this down a pension route we could have taken us down a multitude of routes and we haven't on this occasion but maybe it would be a good idea to certainly touch base on this at some point in the future and deep dive into the pension aspect oh. and, and go from there that if you'd be up for round two definitely up for that you know if your audience saying they're getting some value and they give you some feedback on that and uh you know i can see the value you're trying to give in your in your Property Nomads podcast, Robert. So I'd take my hat off to you 
and or tip it anyway and say, you know, well done for doing that. Because it takes, you know, it takes a, a very interesting person to put themselves out and to try and get value. And often I'm a podcaster, uh, podcaster myself, and I always ask my audience to give me feedback. So on behalf of Robert, please send him a testimonial and say, hey, Robert, I'm liking what you're doing. Keep going. You know, do it on uh, wherever you listen to your podcast as a way to review it. Give him an opportunity to get some feedback because he's working really hard in preparation, certainly with me, uh, to help make sure that you get the best value out of my knowledge. And I hope he's done that. I appreciate the, the kind words there, Kevin. And uh, yes, absolutely. Do find us on iTunes, Stitcher, wherever you listen to your podcast, leave a review. Email me, as people have done. Uh, really, I, I do read every single one of them. I do appreciate that as well. Um, Kevin, uh, I guess the final question is... Uh, do I get my 10 now or later? Do I get my 10 quid now or later? Ah, do it later on if that's all right. <laughs> all right, that's fine. Now, honestly, he never even said anything about it. So. <laughs> we, 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 we digress. Uh, Kevin, just before, just before you shoot off, thank you for your time um, and for sharing your, pardon the pun, wealth of knowledge. About, if people wanted to find out more about you, more about Wealth Builders, how can people get in touch with yourself? Yeah, just, just jump on uh, wealthbuilders.co.uk. That's where you'll find more about our holistic way of building wealth. If you kind of got curious about the idea of the SAS, uh, go to sasalliance.org, which is a community of people who are building wealth in their pensions um, in a way you just won't believe. Um, or just send me a, an email, hello at wealthbuilders.co.uk. Or find me on Facebook or LinkedIn or wherever you find people that you want to connect to. And uh, I very much hope one or two of you will uh, reach out so that we can help you become part of the 5% who make it to financial independence, not the 95% who sadly will not. Fantastic stuff. And as usual, we'll leave that in the show notes as well. Uh, Kevin, yep, wonderful stuff. Really enjoyed that. Thank you very much for your time. Very much appreciate the invitation. Thanks again, Robert. Bye-bye for now.